0: Guys, It is the OG of the HRC here, and we are on episode eight. I can't believe it. Today is a pretty special episode for me, um, because if you guys have been listening or follow me on Twitter, OG of the HRC way, uh, Twitter or IG, um, know that the foster care system is something that's sort of, I don't want to say personal because I wasn't in the system, but um, that I've been involved and interested in for quite some time, um, I did a toy drive over Christmas time to uh, give to foster care kids, which was, I became obsessed with it, and <laughs> I appreciate every single one of you, um, people I know and don't know, who gave and paid it forward. Um, I'm probably going to do another one in May. With that being said, um, today's episode is pretty special because I have a young woman who is a former foster care kid. And she has aged out of the system, and she, in many ways, to me, um, seems to get one of those rare kind of happily ever afters, which is rare because it just doesn't happen that often in the system. Um, I just wanted to take a few minutes beforehand, before the interview, um, to just kind of inform everyone about the foster care system, because I feel like it is something that everyone kind of takes in this country as out of sight, out of mind, I just want to let everyone know that currently we have over 400,000 kids who are in the foster care system. Of those, we have over 100,000 of those children who are anxiously waited to be ado- are waiting to be adopted, um, and that on the average, a child can spend anywhere between 12 to 20 months in foster care, but that's being said that a lot of the times they enter foster care their parent gets better or passes all the checklist and they go back to their biological parents and then they end up coming back to the system and vice versa. It's just a cycle. Something that's really interesting is all of these kids who are in the system, I feel, are just completely ignored by our society as a whole. And it's just, it breaks my heart because children who are in the foster care system have two times the amount of PTSD that a war veteran has. And that is simply happening because we're allowing it to happen in our country. And I feel like you can judge a country based on how they treat their animals and their children. And when we have 400,000 kids in the system and we have social workers that are having an average of 50 to 100 um, cases, children, something's broken here. And I feel like these days, there's so much going on and we all get caught up in impeachment or the latest thing Trump has tweeted or Democrats versus Republicans. And, you know, this is an issue of the foster care system and how broken it is that I feel like if we rolled up our sleeves and we worked together like we used to, that we could figure out a brand new system. Because the truth is, is this system hasn't really been touched since it was created in the 1940s. And FDR created this system because of World War II, when there was a lot of children who were orphans, and we didn't want orphanages, so we came up with a foster care system. Now, a lot has changed, and a lot has happened from World War post-World War II and uh, 2020. I don't know. Does it need to be initiatives to become a social worker? Because, you know, let's be honest, social workers get paid next to nothing, and they have a lot of college debt because they have to have their master's degree in order to be a social worker. And uh, they're taking 50 to 100 kids per year, and that you get overworked and worn out. And I feel like a lot of these kids fall through the cracks. And that by the time that these kids age out of the system, when they're 18 and 21 in some states, they're basically left and they say, okay, the government says, bye-bye, we're done with you now. So good luck with everything when we haven't prepared these kids. At the end of the day, all these kids are looking for is a safe place to call home and someone to show up and say, I got you. Because I think back in my life and I think, holy shit, where would I be if I didn't have my mom and my dad saying, don't worry, I got you. Even when I've been at my lowest low, I knew that I had my parents to say, I got you. And that's what these kids do not have. They haven't really ever had it. So I feel like... We're failing america and this is something like i said just prior that we could fix together but the reason i truly this is a sad sad thing to say but i believe the reason that this doesn't get solved and fixed which this could be fixed in one one term let's just say um the reason is because there's no money in this you know we always talk about health care and yes we all want health insurance and we all want to fix obamacare or whatever it is one wants but the reason that that's a hot topic is because there's a lot of money in health insurance. So, you know, uh, we, we talk about drug prices, right? Everyone wants lower, but there's a lot of money in pharmaceuticals. There's a lot of lobbyists in those two. And there's no lobbyist for foster care. So that's just, I mean, there, there's a lot of people who, you know, uh, Roe v. Wade is a big topic these days because we're inching closer and closer to that going back to the Supreme Court. Um and I just want to say this, we have 400,000 kids in our foster care system. 100,000 of them are waiting anxiously for a home and no one's stepping up to the plate. So what is going to happen to the extra children that we are going to add to our society? That's all I'm saying. I'm not, listen, everyone has a right to their opinion and their feelings and this, that, and the other, but I want you to really think about that. What are What's going to happen to these kids? Because we're failing them now, so we're gonna add another fifty thousand hundred thousand what are we gonna do? I mean, we've seen how the epidemic of meth and um drug addiction in general they the foster care kids have risen fifty percent simply because of addiction, so and we're still not doing anything so that that's that's pretty much simple as it gets it's um It's a wild, wild thing that I can't wrap my head around. But I'm going to continue to use my voice and my outlets to stand up for these kids in whatever way I can because they need someone to stand up for them. And um, this young lady that I'm about to interview, she does just that. And she's 22 years old. She's a mom. Uh, (laughs) She's been pretty much on her own since she was in second grade. She has a biological mom who is a drug addict. And yet she finds time to mentor kids who are in the foster system, be a mom, go to school, work. And like I say, and she shows up. So what's all of our excuses? So I hope that you enjoy this interview because I am very proud of it. Hey guys, it's OG of the HRC here and this is episode eight. I'm very excited. can't believe we're eight episodes in. So um, today is a special episode. Um, if you've listened before, you know that I've been pretty open and honest about how I felt about the foster care system and how um, it's overlooked in so many ways. And so I have a very special guest, Denise, and why she's special is...
1: <laughs> so I have been in... The foster care system since I was uh, in the second grade in and out of the system for most of my uh, youth. Yeah. So I've been able to experience, um, you know, foster care myself. Right.
0: Do you remember entering the foster care system? Do you remember that whole process? Yes.
1: Um, so what I remember most is just the whole You know being separated from my brothers Mm. um because that's that was my biggest thing like you know as a second grader like Mm -hmm. worrying like oh where are my brothers or you know having not knowing where everybody was because i was uh separated alone because there was a an age gap between me and my brothers so you know usually when there is a, a gap in age there's not a lot of many foster homes were willing to take different age ranges and genders.
0: Right, right. So it was just your three brothers, and you were separated from your mom? Or your both parents? Yes. Yeah, your mom. Okay. And was it, if you don't mind me asking, was it a situation
1: of neglect or drug abuse? Like, how did that? Um, It was both, actually. It was both neglect and drug abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, So later down the line, she would get clean, and then, so because of the same old habits, she would fall into that uh, drug addiction again.
0: Wow. That's, yeah. That's, uh, that's a lot. And then you also have three sisters. Yes. Three by a lot that came after you, obviously. Right, right. And they are in the system. Yes. Right.
1: And they are legally adopted now? Yep, is that? they are legally adopted. Um, So my three younger sisters as well as my two younger brothers.
0: Oh, wow. That's- yeah. That's pretty amazing, actually. So do
1: you remember your
0: first foster home? Yes. And was it, uh, I mean, obviously, it's like a, well, what's happening moment. But also, do you remember, what do you remember most about that?
1: Um, I remember most the house. Mm. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Funny how you uh, remember. certain things, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I remember mostly the house and um, going to school in a different, you know, school But um, having to, like, make friends. Yeah.
0: That's something that people don't really talk about or think about, I think, is um, that when you're put in the system and you move from home to home, you go to different school districts. Yeah. so, therefore, that sets you back. And then you don't have the same friends. I mean... Right. So, every time you went to a different foster home, um, would it be in the same area?
1: Or would you just be sometimes... No. (laughs) Actually... (laughs) It's hard to say because, like I said, I was in and out mm-hmm. so so many different times. Mm-hmm. I, I can't really recall. But I know that because I was living in Long Beach, I had been in L.A., I had been in Torrance, I had been in Palmdale, um, I had been in um, Orange County. Wow. Um, so every time, you know, you can make friends, but, you know, being ripped apart, Yeah. as soon as, you know, you find out that you're going back to your biological parent, um, It is still, like, impacts you. And even still to this day, I really, I don't make, I'm very friendly. Like, I'm a very friendly person. I'm Mm -hmm. nice. Mm -hmm. Talk to everyone. But I think that that also impacted the way that I make connection with people because of, you know, I've always had that, like, ripping away yeah it's not forever yeah uh,
0: situation they actually when i was doing research for this podcast i read that um foster kids have two times greater ptsd than Mm -hmm. war veterans right and that's something that again i don't think we talk about but i think that's something yeah you saying with friends do you think what else in your life has been impacted because
1: you were in the foster system uh school yeah definitely school Do you feel it set
0: you back because you moved?
1: Yeah. So for for me, for school, especially when I got to high school, it was so hard to keep my credits in one school. Mm. um, Because like I said, when I was a teenager, I also missed a lot of school. Mm. Had to take responsibility of taking care of my sisters at at one point. um, Because my biological mom was uh, on drugs and she was sleeping a lot when she was not on drugs. So um there was a point in time where I was going to school for a few days maybe or not even at all Mm -hmm. um and I was at home taking care of my sisters and my little brothers wow
0: and but now so you graduated yes which is remarkable yeah you beat the statistic yeah (laughs) yeah yeah you graduated and now
1: you are doing you're in college yep and what is your goal so my goal is to uh get my BA in social work mm-hmm. and then from there um I really want to work in the in the county. Okay. Uh I I get a lot of people that tell me like oh don't work in the county the county is not good <laughs> and uh that's one of the main reasons why I want to work in the county because uh. I've actually experienced a lot of like traumatic um I would say one of the traumatic experiences for me was when I was 16 and I was in a group home and I was getting in these fights because I was defending myself. Yeah. Um. And so I had called my social worker one day and I had told her like, hey, you know, like I keep getting in these fights, but, you know, I don't want to be fighting. Yeah. You know, I just I hate it here. And, you know, I want to move. And she had told me, you know, well, this is normal in group homes and you don't really take precedence in my caseload because you're in a you're in a home right now right you're placed yeah Yeah. Uh uh-huh and so like that that was something that like stuck to me you know as a teenager you know hearing from a social worker like oh like I have other things in my caseload that are a little bit more important right now Mm -hmm. so I feel like when we think about social workers we think about like the impact that they also have on children's lives not just foster parents Mm -hmm. and not just like being moved around from place to place there's a whole great deal of factors that take into play um the people in in foster children Mm -hmm. like in their lives did you have the same social worker the whole time no No. so i had a different social worker when i turned uh the last time that i was in the system which i was 16 Mm -hmm. she was uh the social worker that followed me up until I was eighteen.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. And then up until that, I was just different social. Yeah, yeah. So there's no connection really with that. No, I mean, no. This person is responsible for your well being in a lot of ways. So that's. Right. They. I read also something that um the average social worker now has like fifty to sometimes a hundred kids. Yeah. I mean, you can't you can't physically, emotionally be there. So right. situations like yours happen a lot. Yeah. So can you explain to people um, who don't know what a group home is? Because a lot of people think about foster care as they go into someone's home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so can you
1: explain what a group home is? Sure. So a group home is basically like a facility Mm -hmm. is the best way I can explain it. So it's a facility that has larger um, space for usually teenagers Mm -hmm. um, that are in foster care. Because a lot of the times... Um, A lot of foster families don't want to take teenagers because they think that they are, um, you know, too much to handle, Mm -hmm. which sometimes they are because, you know, the circumstances that they've been put in. So there will be uh, facilities that have more space for a larger amount of kids that are in the system. Mm -hmm. So it's easier for them to be placed in a a facility that has, you know, a a few people looking over them. Rather yeah. than be in a in a home, right? And
0: you you went to one group home, or have you gone um, to multiple? So
1: I've got I was in two group homes, yeah.
0: And and overall, your experience, your thought on group homes. It's
1: hard um, to be in a group home only because, in my experience, it's it's like a jail. Right, like you're not allowed to leave. You have to be supervised at all times. You cannot close your door. Mm-hmm. The doors must stay open. They check on you every. Uh, I don't know, I would say every 30 minutes, even at night. Um, They need to make sure that you're alive and that you're Mm. fine. And um, the only freedom I ever really had in a group home was when I was at school. So you would get dropped off at school and then you're there for a few hours and then you get picked up and then you go straight back.
0: Right. Has there been anyone in your life um, when you're going in and out of the system that sort of just that you felt had your back or did you always feel alone?
1: Um. I would say I, I didn't really have, I didn't really have anybody, mm. but I, I knew I had my older brother, but he wasn't really able to like, you know, do anything about the situation right. because he was barely, you know, he was barely a baby an adult safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, I really had not too many people to rely on. Right. Yeah. That's wow. So then how did you, how do
0: you think you broke? The mold of what you know the statistics say in terms of foster kids and being successful, especially since you aged out of the system,
1: yeah, so honestly my my parents right now
0: mm-hmm.
1: um like i said i I had foster parents, they wanted to adopt me, but because I was so like not trusting mm-hmm. i i it was hard for me to trust them, and you know I kind of doubted the oh why do they want to adopt me right you know so through time um it it made it clear that they did in fact you know like they loved me and they wanted me and you know they had my sisters they adopted them and over time just being able to be pushed and and loved yeah that that really helped I think how old were you when you met them so I was 16 when I met them
0: okay that's a that's a hard age for
1: anyone yeah, yeah. <laughs> foster it was, kid it was hard for all of us yeah. I think yeah and and I we say it all the time like you know it was it was a crazy time for all of us mm-hmm. and so when they came to you and they said we want to adopt you
0: you pushed them away basically so right?
1: at, at first I actually um I said yes yeah um and then I thought about it for a little while and I actually decided to not get adopted Mm -hmm. um and then by that time i had already turned 17 Mm -hmm. so i was close to aging out Mm -hmm. um but i could have still received uh extended foster care services Mm -hmm. so i decided to do that instead till you're 21 yes but
0: now you feel like you're in a place that you would like them to adopt you as an adult adoption
1: yeah so we were actually speaking about this um about proceeding with an adult adoption um, because all this time has passed by and regardless you know of what a paper says mm-hmm. you know they're still my parents yeah yeah but we just you know it, it just is something to make it official
0: yeah of course absolutely um would you consider the foster care system as a whole in this country to be broken definitely and then so to go further, what do you think has to be done by our government to help
1: kids like you? I think um, talking about it more, for mm-hmm. sure. Like, things that you're doing, mm-hmm. like, talking about it is, is a starter. Um, because I think uh, people overlook foster care, mm-hmm. um, and they look at children that are in foster care, and they kind of, like, or like, oh, these kids are so troubled. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we're only as troubled as the people that raised us, you right. know? So we actually did, um, so we do the Long Beach Marathon mm-hmm. every year for Home Forever. Which is where you work now. Yes, which is a nonprofit that helps children that are in foster care. Um, so we do the Long Beach Marathon every year around October, and we set up a booth in the Expo Center downtown Long Beach. And so one year we did, we did a project, and it was asking people, like, what do you think stops people from fostering
0: Mm. and
1: I'll never forget this guy that, that uh, came up to me and was asking me about what our booth was about. And so I told him we were home forever and what we do and we help foster children. And then I asked him if he would like to answer our question. And I, so I asked him, you know, what do you think stops people from fostering? And then he said, well, the misconception that um, foster children are crack babies and, Uh that um, children are very uh, problematic. And, and it kind of, <laughs> like, opened my eyes because, like, that's actually true in a way, yeah. you know? My mom, she took in a lot of the babies that were drug babies because they were going through withdrawal and nobody wanted them. Right. So my, my youngest sister, she actually suffered from alcohol fetal syndrome. Wow. Um, and... It's just it goes to show that like she's my little sister is crazy but like so good yeah. she's she's just very she's very active yeah which, which a lot of children are mm-hmm. but you really couldn't tell unless you were like you knew at a young age that she really did suffer from that um, and then also with me like I went through a lot of stuff too as a as a teenager. Mm-hmm. And I started to take it out, you know, on the world when I got older. Right. But it's just, you know, it's things in life where children go through things and they just need somebody to love them. Yeah, you know? I think love is, is absolutely key. I think
0: uh it's out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. For with sure. foster kids. And yeah. it's um you know, I think a lot of people just don't know what to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you said, they are troubled kids. and But then, therefore, they will only continue to be troubled mm-hmm. if we don't step in and help. Right. You know, because so many of these kids age out and they end up incarcerated. They yeah. don't graduate. So they're, as a whole, it ends up not being great for our society. You yeah. know, like, so when they could be, if someone would just give them a chance. Yeah. You know, so do you think that the entire system needs to be redone to address... The issues facing foster kids today because the foster system was actually put into place in the 1940s after World War II when there was all of these children who were orphans and we didn't want to do orphanages so they came up with a foster care system and since then I think there's maybe been four bills to change the foster care system and we're in 2020 now so do you think that the entire system needs to be revamped? one could say.
1: Yeah. I think that it needs to be so that it meets the needs of the children. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about the numbers, um, yeah, I don't 400,000 kids in our system right now. That's crazy. embarrassing number. (laughs) There's, there's not enough homes. No. And so where do we think the children go? Like they don't just disappear. Yeah. You know, they're like in our neighborhoods and yeah, you know, what do we do? Right. What do we
0: do? And it's, when you're a child you're growing and you're learning and like you said you learn from your environment yeah so society has let these kids down in a lot of ways yeah so um with 400,000 kids do you feel that sometimes because social workers in the system are trying to do the best that they can that these foster homes that they go to are not the best option I mean because there's not enough homes like you said so not the best people and necessarily I've
1: experienced it myself Yeah, yeah Um I won't go into detail about it. Yeah. Um but sometimes like you as a social worker you go in and you s- meet a person you're like, "Oh, this is a nice person."
0: Yeah.
1: But when children go into the home behind closed doors, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And especially because children are in the system for a reason, they might have already been abused. Mm-hmm. Um they don't they don't know. Yeah. And when you
0: don't have a social – when you have a social worker who has 50 to 100 kids, there's no way that, like, you're low on the totem pole, like you said. So they're not getting checked regularly. Definitely. You know, so do you think that there needs to be more incentives to become a social worker? Like how they made more incentives for teachers to come into, um, like, uh, urban areas and teach in rural areas. They gave them benefits. They they paid off their school loans, that type of thing. Do you think that that's what's missing, too, is – yeah. social workers and initiatives like that definitely
1: I think they're very overworked mm-hmm. and I think that also goes into play with how um they just burn out so fast yeah that's I, I believe that
0: without a doubt so what do you want people to know about foster care
1: um I, I really want foster uh, I want people to know that foster care is not something that is like happening to just you know, people in low income. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's many people who can fall into the guidelines of foster care, uh, but sometimes they might not look the same. Right. So we help families that are, you know, even even people who are taking care of uh, their grandchildren. Right. They might also be considered, uh, t- they're in foster care. Because, right. you know, they're um, with family members, but, you know, the relative caregiver is taking care of them. Right. So it's it's really like foster care is like a, a broad spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, and then many people could fall into like emotional abuse, neglect, physical abuse, um, sexual abuse, any of those different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to say like what someone is in, in for foster care. Sometimes you, you might not even tell that, there is a foster child, um, around you because right. they might fit in very, very easily as well.
0: Right. So, um, and how can, how can someone help just like someone listening today? Like, how can they, how can they help?
1: They can support a foster parent, you know, they could, uh, what well, our, our thing, uh, for home forever is, you know, supporting foster parents and, helping uh parents avoid having their children go into foster care Mm -hmm. so um i think that being a former foster youth myself i also um advocate um so i mentor a girl that's you know in foster care right now Mm -hmm. she just turned 18 um but i think when there's more people like looking out for children that are in foster care Mm -hmm. um Letting them have a voice and speaking up for them, right. and you know, not even I. I don't, I don't even do so much. But being a person that um, is a part of her life, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's mean a lot. Yeah, and, to have someone that she can rely on. Yeah, because I mean, I've been in in the same situation, mm-hmm. and not having anyone to tell me like it's gonna be okay would have it, having somebody would have made a big deal. Right, and just it doesn't it really doesn't take a lot yeah you know it's it's just being a support system right even if you can't be a foster parent mm-hmm. because not everybody is able to be a foster parent mm-hmm. but uh supporting those who are foster parents right um i think that's a big deal right and you guys also do um the
0: what is it the love gives foster closet yep. can you explain that so people can yeah about that yeah
1: so i run the resource center which is called uh love gives foster closet so we're in long beach and so we get donations from all kinds uh so people will donate cribs clothing car seats strollers shoes basically anything that a child would need uh we have that at the resource center so then a foster parent
0: would come and that's get yes. the toys get the
1: yeah uh, not, yeah yeah so we that's how we help uh, foster parents. Mm-hmm. So usually, when foster parents get a placement, it's at the randomest time, right? And they don't have very long to get everything ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they do get a clothing allowance, but it's not enough allowance for like you know a child to where right <laughs> you know yeah it's a
0: small it's, it's a, small, a very small allowance. it's a small
1: allowance. Right. so we um, are big on helping offset the the stressors of a foster parent yeah and so they can come in and take what they need right. as well as um, helping families uh, not go into foster care right because sometimes you know a parent just needs a crib to keep their child yeah and so we're also big on that. If we can avoid a child going into foster care, we definitely, um, we definitely try our best to do that. You guys are like the middleman. Right. Yeah.
0: we um, For Christmas, we did our toy drive and we did like an Amazon try. And it was the most amazing thing for your organization. And I became obsessed with it. <laughs> I kept adding more to my list and like, you know, I just, and then everyone came to our Christmas party and donated. And we went to Long Beach and we dropped everything off. And it just made us both, my boyfriend and I feel really great to yeah. know that we made a little difference, you and, know?
1: And that's what it's about. You know, it's, it's, it's the impact that it makes, even though, like, they're toys and it's Christmas. Mm-hmm. A lot of these families, you know, they just, they weren't able to make it for Christmas. Yeah. And that meant a lot, you right. know, right. going, going into a family and, you know, just having a gift for a child is, is something that's big. Yeah, it's it's the smallest thing. Yeah. I, am, I used to volunteer
0: at, in Seattle, this place called Treehouse, and they did, um... They did sort of like they set it up like a store and kids could come in and go yeah. shopping and, you know, people just donated. And it was to see those kids was pretty remarkable. And they would get excited over you shoes or yeah. what it doesn't matter, you know, because to have nothing and then to come in to a store, they're thinking, I mean, yeah. can make all the difference. So um, do you think the entertainment business, because they always have like these shows like The Fosters and they do you think they do a good job of portraying? like the foster care system or do you no, think no right definitely not <laughs> uh
1: i think it's completely um have you seen the fosters no it's it's pretty i'm sorry <laughs> yeah i i haven't um yeah. but i've seen um similar shows mm-hmm. and, and movies yeah uh there was recently a movie that came out um
0: instant family there you go yeah i saw that With um marky mark
1: yeah <laughs> I mean, it's it. Someone is it's like that, but it's not as like glamorous. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's there's different circumstances and right. there's a lot there's a lot of different things that go on, which is hard to portray in a movie. Yeah, I would think there was that documentary on HBO
0: recently. It's called Foster, and they did a really good job because it was mm-hmm. like they followed social worker and they followed. This woman who adopted like your parents a lot of kids out of the system and yeah, um, you should check it out. It was on it's on like Prime Video, you know, Prime okay. and all that now. But yeah, it they did a really good job at the realness of what yeah. happens and the realness of what happens was the social worker and the long process of if a kid enters the system, it's not like the parent once the parent, it's it's a process to get them out of the system. Right, it's a big process. Yeah, so you know, um. I want to go on to aging out of the system Mm -hmm. because you aged out of the system by your own choice and you were extended to benefits till 21, but there's still about 40 states that when they turn 18, everything shut off. So for you, um, how do you feel about the whole aging out of the system process? Do you feel like you were set up to succeed?
1: No. 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 No, I I think that, um, so I actually did stop at 18. Mm -hmm. Um, Once I turned 18, I was actually... I was done with the system. Right. Um, And so I think that when you're like a teenager, you just really want to leave. You want to leave that life of having to meet with social workers constantly. Right. Um, When I was 19, though, I did try to re-enter the system. Mm -hmm. And so I had to like petition to go back in. Right. But it took a year. Oh, wow.
0: (laughs) And then you age out at 21. I aged out.
1: So I I had a a year of services. Yeah. But um, I think it's hard for children you're really a child yeah at 18 it's it's hard to consider someone an adult yeah especially when they've been in foster care mm-hmm. you haven't had the chance to be an adult right you you really haven't had you know like enough experience in the world to just be like okay i'm 18 bye mm-hmm. it's it's hard um
0: because i sort of look at it as i mean with like, quote unquote, normal families, whatever that means. But, you know, you have the kid goes off to college, mm-hmm. but the parents still pay for their insurance, their car insurance. Their... So the fact that we don't help these kids succeed, and then we wonder why they end up incarcerated yeah. or they end up not graduating or not going to college. Yeah. I mean, that's why, again, it goes back to we're, we're letting them down by society. Right. Society is not preparing them for the real world. Right. But we're saying, get out of here because we don't want to pay for you anymore. Yeah. Basically is what it comes down to and I think it's um it's a really sad sad
1: yeah uh, state and, of things and the thing is too when when you turn 18 you've been in the system most likely you have been in the system for a while yeah and so you're kind of like fed up and and you're a teenager you, so you don't want to deal you with you want to also rebel yeah of course absolutely so, So I think the the system kind of like is like, okay, well, you're a teenager. You can do what you want. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you kind of realize like, oh, the world is not really what I thought it would be. Right.
0: It's like when you go away for your first year of college and you think, oh, this is so great. I don't have to. And then you call mom and dad when you like the car breaks down. You know what I mean? Like that's in the same token with these kids. I just I try to wrap my head around how we as a society has just sort of turned our back on the children Mm -hmm. because I think that. As a country, you're judged based on how you treat children and animals. And I look at how we've treated these kids and we just let them down over and over and over again. And I just think, like you said, um, awareness. People need to be aware of the realness and the rawness of what's going on because these are kids and they're kids. You know what I mean? Like they're children. You know, people, adults can have their problems, but these are children. So I just feel um, you, you are an inspiration. And I, I'm, I hope that you get accomplished everything that you want to accomplish in this world because the fact that you've overcome so much and you're on the other side and you have these parents in your life and you have your sisters and your family still is just, you beat the odds. And, um, you know, so I just want to say, uh, this is a non sequitur. uh, (laughs) Who were your
1: role models when you were younger? Um, weird enough to say that my older brother was my role model. That's not weird. I don't think that's weird. Because he <laughs> took care of me so yeah, much. So yeah. he kind of uh took the role of like a parent yeah. figure. Um, so like when my brother left home, um, I kind of had to like take that responsibility as an older sister, mm-hmm. but also like as a second mom to my, to my younger siblings. Yeah. Um, so i always thought like oh what would what would my brother do in this situation you know like there's a screaming child and i'm just like 14 and what do i do what would what would my brother do and so it would kind of just be like always thinking ahead like oh he would do this or he wouldn't do that that's not right (laughs) Are you still close to your older brother? Yeah, yeah. yeah we're very we're very close. He's local. Yeah.
0: Oh good. That's very that you guys are all together pretty much, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's that's really amazing. And who would you say is your role model now? Uh
1: I would say my parents. Yeah. yeah. I think that they do they do a lot. Mm. Um so my dad is actually on the board of Home Forever.
0: Oh, okay. And so
1: that's how I got involved. Okay. Yeah. And you know, my mom, she's like the backbone of the family. <laughs> always. The women always are. <laughs> yeah. So I think they're my role models right now. That's and it, it just goes to show like how, how little it, it takes to just be loved, you know? Yeah.
0: That's your parents sound like amazing people. Yeah, they and are. I feel like that's a lot of the reason of why you've been able to, I mean, cause you're a mom too. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. like you've had and you're a single mom. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you're, you're doing amazing things, and I would just say just keep doing what you're doing and keep using your voice, and we're going to keep using our voice here, yeah. and uh, we won't forget about you guys, I mm-hmm. promise. But thank you so much for coming. Definitely. I hope you had a good time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I would love to have you back again. I you would know?
1: definitely love
0: to. Oh, good. Well, this is the OG of the HRC signing out.